Hi, Sky here. Welcome to another episode of Creative Forces, the 20th episode, in fact. Can't believe uh, we've got to 20 episodes. Doesn't seem like five minutes since the first episode uh, I recorded that. Uh, but it's just been uh, great to get this far. Thanks to everyone who's listened and downloaded. Nearly 20,000 listens now and downloads, so really pleased with that. And hopefully that will continue and keep growing. If you can hear a lot of banging in the background... Uh, that's because I'm recording this on November the 5th, bonfire night, and the uh, people over the road from me seem to be having a massive firework uh, display going on. So if you can hear that banging, uh, that's what it is. Well, this episode of the podcast, episode 20, as I mentioned, uh, features an interview with James Ingram. James is the chief executive of the e-commerce photography and video specialist Splashlight. He also hosts the uh, Creative Intelligence podcast, uh, which is different from this one, as you'll find out in the first couple of minutes. Um, but after growing up in Chicago, where he showed an early interest in creative design, James moved to Brooklyn at just 19 to start work in the printing industry. Over the next uh, three decades or so, he worked his way up into a series of leadership roles in graphic arts companies before taking up his current job in 2005, where he now splits his time between New York and Paris. Now, in this frank and fascinating interview, uh, James told me when we met in his uh, in an office in London uh, how he overcame some pretty major setbacks in his career, how he came back from those, uh, how he completely reinvented his management style, how he got his tremendous, as he calls it, work ethic uh, from his dad and why his granddad uh, tried to convince him that the best career for him to uh, take up would be professional golf. Tell me what you're doing in London. I'm here recording some podcasts. Uh, I'm going to launch this podcast called Creative Intelligence. And uh, we, uh, we've had just fascinating, fascinating participants so far. Uh, it's been it's been interesting. It's been something I've never done before. Getting some some learnings in on it, and it sounds on the face of it a bit like Creative Forces podcast. Is, right. it, is it about the sort of uh, thinking behind creativity? Is that the whole point? You know, uh, it's not quite. It's a little bit more on how technology and uh, AI is influencing the creative process. Okay. Good. Yeah. So we're not we're not in direct competition. No, no, no. You, you, you would win anyway. It's no problem. <laughs> so how have you found the process so far of uh, doing the interviewing? Um, it, the, my first one, I was a nervous wreck. It's really <laughs> funny. Even though I like to talk, I, I love to to you know engage in a conversation and get to know with people. But I think, like you said, it's the mic and the environment. But then once you get rolling, and I just forget about that, and I just have a conversation. Yeah. It's been it's been really. I feel like I'm gaining more mm. just interviewing someone and going through that process. Mm. And is that something that now is going to be a weekly podcast? Um, I, I'm not, we're not exactly sure on the cadence. I doubt weekly, but it'll probably be um, either bi-monthly or monthly. I see. Okay. Yeah. Well, good luck with the podcast. When's it launching? Uh, end of this month. Okay, great. Well, I look forward to listening Thank to you. it. Thank you. So um, tell me then about uh, Splashlight, the company that you're yeah. chief exec of. What exactly does Splashlight do? We're one of the leading companies to create online content. So when you shop online, you look at those sets of pictures to decide if you're going to buy that apparel or not. We have a company that makes that all that content. We also have another company underneath that at Splashlight Technologies that built software to streamline that process. And uh, we, we've got some pretty exciting uh, tech coming out 
using AI around uh, around content. And so you've been the boss for what, 12 years? Yeah, now? going 13 years. So yeah. how did you first get involved in the company? My original, um, the two founders, Henry Geddes and Benoit Lagarde, founded the company. And one is still my partner. And uh, they were they were looking for some um, little more uh, business experience to come jo join their company. And um, we interviewed, and I had just left a, as chief operating officer of another company. And I always wanted to own something mm. and didn't necessarily want to start it, but wanted to kind of help take a, gr a good company and, and grow. And we hit it off, Benoit and, and Henry and I, and uh, we did a um, nice partnership. And it's been, it's been quite a ride. And how old was the company then when you joined? Uh, three. It was three years old. Okay. Yeah. And so what was it about that company that made you think, okay, this is, this is the one? You know, you say you wanted to own yeah. something, but what was it about that company that made you think, yeah, I'll go I think this. in my cu couple things. Um, in, in my career, I had been in, in the graphic arts industry my, my whole career and watched multiple sections of it be commoditized by technology. And uh, I wanted to try to be at the, at the higher end of the food chain where the creativity was really getting done. And I felt photography was, was pretty high up there for ideation and, and creating the content. Um, I also was super impressed at the way they um, built their brand internally with their employees and employee focused. And then also just the brand itself. And... Um, and their mentality of how to take the company and create something uh, even more special than, than it already was. So that uh, I think that ingredients made me feel like, wow, we, we've got something we can we can do here. It's mm. pretty special. So you say you've been involved in the graphic arts the yeah. whole career up to then. Mm -hmm. How did that start then? When what? How did what was your first job? And how did you first get involved in? Actually, it was arts? in high school. Right. Uh, I, I took the vocational classes around graphic arts and printing. And I just, I enjoyed it. I the, the enjoyed putting things into print at the time and where things were going with uh, the camera. It was just fascinating at the digital age that was all developing. And then uh, ended up getting a, a job as a stripper. Right. That's what they called it. <laughs> Can we it. clarify that? That's what they called it. <laughs> where you put the negatives onto this, uh, this vinyl mask that you right. put onto the print. Okay. I, I really wanted to be a creative person, but yeah. I, I just really sucked at it. I, right. I, I couldn't do it on demand. As far as classically, you know, yeah. creativity. Um, so but what, I, what do you mean by that, though? Why, you what know, when what you, were we, you trying to do? As, you know, as a graphic designer or, or a creative person who can be given a commercial assignment mm. and make it beautiful. Mm. You know, I, in my own time and doing my own things, I, I think I can be quite talented that way. But to do it on demand, it just wasn't necessarily what I had the knack for. So I ended up more on the production side where it's, it's um, more task-driven than it mm. is creative-driven. But I love being around the creatives. Mm. And I think that that was something that um, I, I've always enjoyed in, in my career is being around the creative process mm. and, and supporting the creative process. And so what were the things that we, you, were, you said you really enjoyed it at high school? What were the things you were designing then? Um, would they give you all the different kind of projects, you know, from uh, designing a whole company uh, stationary set to uh, different formats of, of design as far as uh, newsletters and they teach you how to do uh, um, 
the separation process, then there's the classic ways, then you design where things need to be on graphic design, type, um, layout, uh, that, that type of, of process. Mm. So what was the, did you get a job straight out of high school then? Yeah, yeah. Right. So where, where was that? Where was the first job? Uh, I worked at, at um, the, the Watchtower. Uh, there doing their design. Uh, so where is, their, where is that? Then? That was in Brooklyn. Okay. Yeah, in Brooklyn. So I was working on, uh, their, their, like I said, the, the stripping. So it's the graphic arts right. putting together the process to f- prior to printing. And what's the watchtower? That's the, the headquarters of Joe's Witnesses. Right. Okay. Yeah. I see. Yeah, the big printing. It's a big publishing house. Okay. And uh, work there in New York. Right. In, in Brooklyn. So are you from New York originally? No, I'm from Chicago. Northern okay. suburbs of Chicago. Right. Just let that siren go past. There we go. <laughs> so yeah, tell me about that then. So you grew up in, in Chicago. I grew up northern suburbs of Chicago and uh, area called Round Lake. Right. And, um, you know, a very small town, but uh, commuting distance into, into Chicago. And uh, then uh, when I got to New York, I, I, I liked the, the city. I liked the big mm. city part. So uh, while the roots of being in the Midwest and, and a small town are definitely still part of the fabric of who I am, I, I do enjoy also the the energy of a, of a city. What do you think are the things that you still have from that sort of small town upbringing? You say you still have that with you. Yeah, what what I are think, the things? I think it's a rapport. I think being able to have a, a conversation and uh, wanting to, to know who you're either standing next to in an elevator. You know, I'm just open to talk to people. And mm-hmm. it's, it's a very Midwest culture to uh, say hello to people and to strike up a, a, a conversation with someone. Whereas in a, in a larger city, you're kind of isolated. And you're not necessarily feel inclined to strike up a conversation with somebody. So I think that that Midwest of, of Illinois, that, that of the U.S. is is still in me. And so, what drew you to to New York then? Why was it that you wanted to go to to New York? Uh, I applied for that job. Right. I, I wanted I wanted to 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 leave. I wanted to go to a more, um, you know, larger something that had an impact. And uh, that opportunity came up, and uh, it was it was a little scary. Yeah, didn't know anybody in New York, <laughs> but I took it, and I'm glad I did. So how old were you then? I was 19. Okay. Yeah. I was so 19. you moved to New York at 19. Didn't yeah. know anybody. So no. Where did you Where did you go? Where did you? Uh, I lived in Brooklyn. Right. And um, but again, being Midwest, you know, you make friends quickly, mm. and if you if you put yourself out there and talk to people, and and I made some really good friends. Uh, there, others that had moved in, and uh, it, it was uh, it was a special time. It was a special time, and uh, I think if you're intellectually curious and you apply yourself, you can. Uh, although not having a college degree, mm. you know you, you still learn a lot, and if you're practical and, and you apply yourself, you can you can still do quite well. Was that a conscious decision not to go and do a college degree, or did you you know to to go straight into work? Yeah, it was, was a conscious a... decision. Yeah, definitely to go straight into work. Why? Why was that? I think it was just the the culture that that I was raised around. Mm. Um, and uh, you know, you look back and you could always replay different scenarios. You know, maybe if I would have gone to college or not gone mm. to college, where would it have been? But I think when you look back, you just you you take the the good of that you, that you had and what you've accomplished, and um, and you gotta you gotta make the most of it. Mm. And and I'm I'm kind of happy with the journey that that I've had to get to where I am. You know, there's a lot of college degrees. Um, both my, my, my daughter is in Stanford University. Mm. She's a, f- a sophomore there, so I definitely advocate for a college degree. Um, but, um, you know, even with one, you have to be intellectually curious. Mm. 
You got to you got to apply yourself. You have to be emotionally intelligent, and then you can you can thrive in in a, in, a, in business in a commercial environment. I read in a, an interview that you've done that just thinking back to you know your upbringing in, in Illinois, you, uh, that your dad was one of your big mentors. Yeah. So what did your what did your mom and dad do, and, and why was your dad such an important mentor? So my dad was uh, he was in the uh, labor relations and HR, but. Um, his career, as you raise through, um, he was also in the Air Force, and at, in his career at the time, the financial times were were, were challenging in the early seventies, and uh, I think for me, my dad's work ethic was just tremendous. Mm. Um, he was um, relentlessly going to ensure the family was taken care of, and he always had encouraged me, uh, whether I liked it or not. I had to do a lot of work around the house and outside <laughs> the house. And you don't appreciate that um, as a as a young man until you get older and realize, you know, he built a work ethic. Mm. Where, what, what were the jobs he got you to do? Oh, I remember when he uh, he decided we weren't going to use a furnace anymore. We we're going to heat the house with a <laughs> with a wood burning stove. Right. So you have to split six cords of wood. And and as soon as I moved out, he turned the furnace on. <laughs> So the reality was he had to make work for a hyperactive young man to keep him busy. <laughs> were, you, were you hyperactive at that age? Oh, yeah. I have a lot of energy. I still, to this day, right. have a lot of energy. So uh, Did that always come out in a positive way or was it a... Uh... Uh, <laughs> we'll leave that for interview number two. Okay. <laughs> okay. But your dad, so he, he taught you a strong work ethic. He taught me a strong work ethic and... Um, you know, he also had another advice for me that I hear a lot in my head is never let them see you coming. Mm. Stay humble. Okay. And what uh, is, so what does it, what exactly does that mean? I never let them see you coming. What? That if you're, when you're in an environment, mm. do more listening than you are talking. Okay. And if you, if you think you're onto something or you're working hard at it, you know, just, just do, just do it. Don't parade around and talk a, a big about something if you haven't done it yet right just just do your job yeah and 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 whatever that is um because there are i think situations where you can get over eager about something and almost turns into bragging and then then sh shortly after that arrogance comes and then hubris and mm. then you're a disaster mm. whereas if you're humble and you're appreciative of what you have and you just work hard at it um you know, you you have a, a better group of people around you. And you've, have you carried that idea with I've you? I've really tried. Yeah. I've really tried. I'm never perfect. And there are times when I think I didn't follow that advice. But in general, I, I do try to um, to really hold that as a, something very serious. Mm. And what about your mom? What did your, your mom do? So my mom uh, raised us. So she she was, uh, while my dad was working, my mom was around. Mm. And... Uh, so she was active in in raising us. She had worked prior and then and then stopped in uh, as we were raising my sister and I. So yeah, you had a sister. So is she older or younger? Yeah, she's older. Okay, yeah, how, I'm the how, baby. <laughs> did you get on when you were kids? Yeah, we did. Yeah, and then you know any kind of siblings, you know, there's a different personalities and yeah. things like that. And uh, but um, we 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 had a had a good uh, upbringing as mm -hmm. far as a family. So that that was uh, that was good to be together. Okay, she's so, two years older than me. Okay, and so your dad really, yeah, is that the main thing? That is that that work ethic, or were there, were there other things that he taught you to? 
Um, I, I think I think those are the two big things that have it, when it comes to where you're going to go. I mean, there are definitely values and structure that were important um, and being you know sincere about what you're doing. Mm. But I think in 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 the business world, the two that have really driven me is is the work ethic. And then uh, the modesty is, uh, has been important. Mm. What about, as, I mean, you said at school you were really interested in the graphic arts, but were there, what, were there other interests too? Were there other oh, avenues you, you could have I gone down? I was interested in everything. I, I had, um, engineering was interesting to me. Um, uh, sports was very interesting to me. Uh, my grandfather always wanted me to be a professional golfer. Okay. That's all he kept saying to me. My father's <laughs> father, he's like, be a professional golfer, be a professional golfer. What was his reason? I'm like, for my that? grandpa, I got to be good at golf to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a definite prerequisite. There's a prerequisite. You have to be able to, you know, shoot par at least. Were you playing golf at this I time? I was playing golf. It's interesting. It's how I saw my grandfather uh, grow old. Right. Was playing golf. Okay. I played as a little kid, and so he played. He played. He played with me. He was always. He says, you know, we. You have to walk. If you're gonna play golf. You have to walk. You have to carry your clubs. You have to walk. You have to feel the course, and then. So uh, no buggies. No, but then I remember. I look back. We had pull carts. You know, we yeah. had a little buggy, <laughs> and I think, okay, I guess we pull pull carts because you're a kid. You don't realize. Yeah. Then we're riding a cart. Yeah. But really, I saw my grandfather age. Yeah, because he couldn't carry the clubs anymore. Yeah, but when you're, you're almost too young to recognize what just happened. But I look back on it because he died when I was uh, 18. Mm. So when I look back on it, I, I and I saw his he's become frail through yeah. through the golf course. Was he a big influence on you too? Yeah, I think I think so. He he was a gentle man. He was a gentle man, very kind. Mm. And did uh, did you ever get close to his, his fulfilling his wish? No, <laughs> I was on the golf team and I did enjoy golf. I did get better at it. Right. But uh, it just, I think as a youth, I was too hyperactive for golf. Right. It's not exactly the best sport for uh, which short sp- attention span. Which were the sports that you were better at? <laughs> wrestling. Right. I was really good at wrestling. Right. Yeah, that was, I was really good at. <laughs> and is that something you did? Bursts of energy and, you know, something very clear and short term to accomplish yeah Yeah. did you do that competitively yeah yeah i did that all the way to high school from a little kid also tennis i uh, played a lot of tennis it's actually my favorite sport okay and do you still play tennis now uh i'm getting back to it i left it for a long time but uh this past summer i made a concerted effort to really get back to playing tennis i used to play a lot of tennis actually and um and i've had a couple of times where you come back to it but the horrible thing about tennis is that it's so much about, like golf as well, yeah. it's so much about technique. Oh, it's technique. You can't get away with it. No, it you, doesn't you have just to practice, come back. practice, practice, practice. No, you've got to bring it back. Timing. So and, frustrating. Yeah. You end up running too close to the ball <laughs> yeah. or too far away to the ball. And, yeah. Yes. You realize just how um, important the technique is in mm-hmm. Practice. Like, yeah. How consistency. Yeah. Right. Um, well, yeah, good luck going back to tennis. Thank though. you. <laughs> so after that first job in Brooklyn, then where did it, where did your career take you? Then? So then I was there about eight years and then I went into uh, another company as a production manager. Uh, there was an industry at the time called a service bureau and it had all the expensive tools to create output for the creative industry. And I was a production manager there. Actually, it was a um, company that was, had headquarters here in London uh, called Unidigital. And uh, I worked there in their New York office, and uh, it was it was an interesting job. <laughs> in what way? 
you know, it was intense. It, it really, and it, and it was one of the lessons that I, I learned about um, the difference that your, who you work for can make in your, the job itself. Mm. It was already an intense job. And uh, the leader I worked for then was, uh, was overly intense and it made even more pressure. So there's a balance in, in creating an intensity in an environment, mm. but making it where it's, uh, it's unproductive. Mm. So that was a, a negative experience. It was a negative experience. Yeah. I mean, I learned a lot. Um, yeah. Generally, I learned more from the challenges than yeah. you do from the, um, from the other thing. It was actually a job I got fired from. Right. Yeah, I, I was not that job. That job. Right. Yeah, it was. Uh, it came down to not allowing myself to be abused, mm. and um, I walked away. I, I wasn't going to do it, and uh, that ultimately led to them. Uh, so yeah, so yeah. It, was, it was that bad that you. Yeah, I wasn't going to put up with it. Right. Yeah, exactly. And even at the risk of losing the job, which yeah. is ultimately what happened. Um, so what was that experience like? Well, you know, that obviously getting out of the job was a positive thing for you in the sense that it was a, abusive yeah. in many ways. But in terms of, you know, being fired and then moving on from that, what was that it like? It was brutal. Mm. Because, uh, you know, a lot of times you, you identify your self-esteem with the, with the job. Mm. And so when, you're, when it's removed from you, you feel you can feel inadequate. You can feel like, what did I do? You know, you, it's plus you also have to make money, hmm. and um, so yeah, you go through you go through a number of feelings, and and I'm glad I did it. Hmm. I'm glad I had to go through it, um, and obviously I came out much better off because of it. And I, I, in a turn of events, about um, I guess about ten years later, that same person ended up working for me. Right. So he was already employed uh, at another job. His career had kind of taken a downturn, obviously, because you can't sustain leadership that way. No. Then I got hired as a, as a leader in a company, and he was already there. Right. And uh, it was an interesting... So how was that first... Did, well, you, did said, you know that when you took the job? Or? Uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. And, you know, you go through this... Okay, now this one I can't wait to talk about. Right. <laughs> yeah. Nah. But you know what? what, you, what you, as you mature, you're like, you know what? I'm better off for whatever happened. Yeah. And so it, it, uh, that person was extremely uncomfortable mm. because they remember. But uh, I did my best to say, listen, that was the past. Right. It was the past. And uh, you did me a favor because, uh, you know, I moved on to something that turned out to be much better mm. and really more defining in my career. So, uh, did it- again, you can learn from these things. Yeah. You, you can get yourself to be bitter because maybe you look back in, in your life in different aspects didn't happen the way you wanted it to happen. Or you can look back and say, what do I gain from all those? Mm. And it's just a much stronger perspective to look back at. Mm. Did it um, put you off at all from taking that job, the fact that that person worked no. there? No. No. And no, because at that point, you, your own uh, confidence level you know, had, been, had been back, although that mm. being fired from a job is, is, affects your self-esteem. But I think you just, um, at least for myself, you, you end up getting stronger and you go back and you, you just cannot identify your self-esteem with your job. Mm. As, as tempting as it is, really? That's the, you, you want to because yeah. you want to look at your accomplishment, you want to look at what your salary is, but it's very dangerous. Mm. I had an executive coach, Wayne Matthews, and he was very instrumental in my professional life. And it was something he, he pushed very hard on. He said, do not attach your self-esteem to your job. See, it's very interesting, though, isn't it? Because I think most people do exactly that. I think that. it's a big mistake. 
It's a big mistake. So what what did he what should you attach you to the you person know, who you are? Yeah. To your value proposition, to the value you bring, and understand that at times that value will not will go underappreciated. Mm. But uh, who you are as a person and, and what you do uh, is really where your self esteem needs to come from. Mm. And uh, not from, because you're really, you're putting it in the hands of somebody else. Mm. You're putting your self-esteem in the hands of somebody else. And there's so many v- conditions, economic conditions, competitive conditions, mm. coworker conditions, that maybe even out of that person's control. And mm. now you're putting your self-esteem there. It's very dangerous. Yeah. So how many years, just in terms of that, um, you know those two events then how many years were between those two events of losing that job it was, and then it was close to, I, I think it may have been between eight to nine years okay so what happened in those eight how did you rebuild your career almost because i guess is it fair to say that's what you kind of had to do i had to rebuild well yeah. not having a college degree it's very difficult to get a job so you're already battling um feeling um not as qualified as your mm-hmm. as your other applicants then you're dealing with losing a job mm. and uh, so you, you you really have to try to you know get out there and you just learn to network and in in networking uh, someone had mentioned hey a friend of mine i think he's looking seems really qualified and um i met with them just casually over breakfast and they said you know what i know the owner of a company mm. they need to talk to you because mm. that's the kind of person i want to deal with as a customer mm. and they're i, I use them and uh, that led to, to an interview, and uh, the other person agreed. They're like, wow, I, I wouldn't have picked to talk to you mm. because you only have high school. He said, I wouldn't have picked to talk to you. Right. He says, but this person, see, I trust this person. They said, you really need to talk to this person. Mm. And uh, so getting to the interview, and then I, and I was able to get the job, and it uh, changed my career. Mm. Changed my career. Were you in a period where you didn't work then after that? Um. Yeah, it was a. I can't remember exactly how long. It may have been three or four months. Right. May have been three or four months. But I also had construction skills. Okay. Tile setting and 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 drywall skills from from teenager years, uh, learning those trades as well. My my father wanted to make sure I also had, uh, you know, a trade. Mm. You know, and so I had that, that to fall back. Oh, so on. you did some of that in the the period between. Yeah, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. Yeah, construction work. Right. In between summer jobs. Right. Yeah. And then you did it again in between those two. Yeah. 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 And it turned out I, I did fine. You right. know, you could pick up work and uh, I'm, I'm pretty hard, again, hard worker, no problem. Yeah. And get in there. And that's what I saw my father. Yeah. I saw my father when the economy was down, he was unemployed. He took whatever kind of job he could get. Mm. And he took a job at, uh, there's a amusement park over there called Great America. And he took a job there because he's got to work. You, you, you got to make something. Mm. And he still made it fun. He's like, just come, you serve him pizza. <laughs> he's like, but you know, you can go ride the rides and I'll serve you pizza. Yeah. And as a kid, you're like, okay, great. We'll go ride the rides. But then when you look back, you realize, you know, that man just knew he had to work. Mm. And, he, and your pride needs to go behind providing for your family. Because mm. there are some with whose pride may be too big to say, I'm not serving pizza. Mm. Uh, that's not what I do. I'm an executive. Yeah. But uh, that meant a lot to me. That meant a lot to me. And you don't realize those impressions. So when I was in the very same situation, you know, um, you, you know you're just going to work. So did you have a family at that stage? Yeah. Right. So you, had, you got daughter. Yeah. I, had, uh, I had just had my, my daughter born. So it was, it was tough. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that must, I mean, that's a, that is a tough time, isn't it, when you've got a young family and you're 
you just gotta work. Yeah. You gotta work. But that's what you do. Yeah. That's what you do. And um, again, I think it's it's about being relentless, and uh, and and just you know relishing the things that you've done well mm. and building on that. You, otherwise, you you get despondent. Mm. So then that job, you got that job, and then yeah. Oh, that that was the tipping point. In my so career. What, yeah, why why was it the tipping point then? Because it was a it was a true uh, leadership role, and at the, at that point. Now your work experience becomes a little bit larger on the page than where you went to school. When you're young, what you really have is that a university picked you Mm. and maybe what you learned there in order to get your foot in the door. As you get older and you have a demonstrable track record, then that education is important, but you're almost past that point. Mm. And... uh, then just work. Plus, I just learned a lot. There, there was some good, good, good men to work for, and, and I learned a lot from them. And then uh, that led to another job where uh, I had some really high quality training and executive coach. And then uh, my career just catapulted from there. Uh, and do you think then that it was because you felt suited to leadership? You know, you said that was the first leadership role. Was it that you've, yeah. you feel that your skills or your personality suited that type of? I, th- I work? think so. I think it was the ability to understand the creative process mm. and then the operation side of it. Um, yeah, I think that that was more my 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 knack. Yeah. Mm. And so, yeah, you mentioned the, the executive coach. Was it? Yeah, Wayne. Yeah. So, how did that uh, relationship start? Well, I was working for a company, American Color, at the time, and the CEO, she was uh, she was an innovator around HR, and she worked in the Navy, and tough tough in, in in to be a woman at the time, an officer in the Navy, but she brought a sensitivity uh, as as a woman HR leader, and then became CEO of that of that company, and president of that company, hmm. and. Um, I went put into a, the the facility there in New York, which was a really tough one. They had a number of leaders that failed there, um, and I took it only with a contract because I like if if they keep a revolving door, I'm not taking unless mm. there's a you know some kind of security. Here. Yeah. So I took it, and um, it was tough. I, I ended up succeeding in making the division profitable, but uh, it wasn't necessarily. Um, um, that pleasant. I wasn't learning to architect an organization. It was more command and control. Mm. And um, so there was there was some breakdown. And she she saw some some uh, something in me, and said, "I'm going to get you an executive coach." And I thought for sure I was getting fired. I thought that it was just code for you're going to train your replacement. Just to, when you say there was some breakdown, what do you mean? What exactly that? Well, in in. In people, you know, right. because you, it's, you can get something done by forcing it through. Mm. It's not necessarily because you've got everybody believing in where you're going. Mm. You can just, because you have authority, you can just tell them what to do. Mm. And the situation when I got there required that strong authority. But it eventually you need to move to collaborative mm. leadership. And I wasn't experienced enough to know to make the change. Right. The command and control was needed to put things in place and the change that needed to happen but i i didn't know how to transition into a collaborative right. leader okay so she saw that that she was all that she said uh, we just teach him how to be a collaborative leader right. and he he can do he can do well 
But I really thought he was just uh, there to replace me. So right. I was really against it. I was <laughs> not happy about this at all. And um, she's like, well, take it or leave it. Either right. you're going to take the help or you can leave. I mean, right. I'm like, okay. So how did the first uh, meeting? It was tense. Right. It was tense. <laughs> Fortunately, he's, he's, he, he's, he's experienced at what he does. And right. he's moved into office. They read your emails. They go through the whole thing. Oh, really? Yeah, it's, it's intrusive. Oh, right. Tell me about so they So it's really a sort of top oh, yeah, to top bottom. Top to bottom. We're analysis gonna tear of you down you and we're going to build you back up. Right. Yeah. You sit in the meetings, how you conduct the meetings, how you do these things, everything. Right. So no wonder you were thinking, this, this is not just like having a chat about. No, I didn't leave. have a this one is... hour a week chat. <laughs> this is an, I an had analysis a coach. of what you do. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Like so a what coach. Was, so, what? Yeah, so what was that like then? Having that I, it changed over my shoulder. career. It changed my career. He saw, he said, there's a philosophy of either getting things done with people, mm. which is what you do, or you get things done through people, mm. which is where you need to be, where you inspire people and you support people and you help them understand what you're trying to do so they're making their own decisions. Otherwise, mm. as soon as you walk out of the room, then it stops. And uh, it was a process. It was a, a real process. And still, you know, you can forget that. you got to bring yourself back to that. But ultimately, um, leadership through um, collaboration. You know, it's very rare in business do you really need the command and control. I, kinda, I <laughs> use this illustration around, you know, in a, in a, in a fire. Mm. You know, when there's a fire, the fire chief is showing up. You know, he's not pulling everybody together. And say, so what do you guys think we should do? <laughs> and he's not doing that. No. He is telling them exactly what to do because it's a fire. Yeah. And they follow it and they do it and they save people's lives. Yeah. Maybe after a fire, mm. they may then get together and say, what do you think? Yeah. So there are definitely times in a business where a leader needs to be the leader. I mean, yeah. command and control. Yeah. Otherwise, there's a problem. Yeah. But most of the time... That's an ineffective way to lead a business, particularly in modern day. There's a, there's a book that's ver been very influential to me that I read just recently called New Power. Mm. Uh, amazing, amazing. These two activists wrote the book. And it, and, uh, it highlights that e even more so now, you know, you, you have to lead differently. And, 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 and even like you and I were talking prior about empathy. Mm. And there's just mm. so many important techniques that have to become part of who you are if you want to be an effective leader. And I think what Wayne was showing is you have to adapt. You have to be paying attention to your leadership styles and to your business and to your role and adapt mm. because you, you have to change as your circumstances change. And on a practical level, then, what was it that you changed? How did you change what you did? Um, I'm sure eliciting ways, feedback. My yeah. biggest right. is eliciting feedback. Even to this day, it's what I have to constantly is you got to elicit feedback from people. You get people's opinion and get right. things like that because you, you can get very confident in, in your own ideas hmm. and you have to constantly bring yourself back in. You have to be, I, I have the ideas as a leader. You can't also just sit back and ask for the question. You do have to bring something to the table. But you, you have to be, you have to listen feedback. You got to you got to collaborate. And how long did it take you then to to make this transition? I, th I think it was a or couple it, of months. It, is it ongoing still? No, no. It? <laughs> it was a couple of months. It could have been quicker. It's getting me to relax that I wasn't getting replaced. Right. That that started in a in delayed the process for sure. Because then you're not opening up, mm. and then then you're guarded. You're guarded. Mm. And where does where do you think that sort of your the command and control yeah. 
tendency, where does that come from, do you think? You know, you, you're saying that that was, you had to do that in terms of that job, but you were clearly uh, carrying that on. Yeah. So why do you think that you, that was the approach that you were sort of, you lent towards naturally? I don't know. I, I, I've not reflected on that. Hmm. I've not reflected on that. It may, may you know, me, I, I don't know. It's a good <laughs> one. I'll have, to, I'll have to think about that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll come back to Came that from one. somewhere, <laughs> yeah. clearly. Yeah, it's, in, it's just interesting, isn't it, that, um, I mean, maybe, I, I don't know, yeah, it's just interesting to think about why that's the, why you were tending towards that, but then, um, clearly, the way forward was this Collaborative, new, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And do you try then now to, you know, are there certain things that you practice that you, you have, a, do you have a, like a mental checklist that you have to do now? I know you say elicit feedback, but yeah. are there other, other things that you have to mentally check off to think right yeah I mean just to remind myself that you, you got to ask you got to ask a lot of questions and I think you just there's an incredible amount of talent in people hmm. and um, I really am focused on on getting to know people and asking them what they think and and how are we going to go about this and that that type of thing and I've just continued to get incredible ideas hmm. because people uh, you know are are so smart mm. and there's so many smart people and you you may have an idea but making the idea real requires a lot of people yeah and so you you have to you got to make people feel confident in what they do feel good about their contribution and uh and listen and learn mm. i noticed as well in a, an interview that i read that you've done um that Self-enrichment, you said, is it? Yeah, make time one. for self-enrichment. Yes. That, so tell me about why is that so important and what do you do in terms of that? So I'm a voracious reader. So I read a lot um, around uh, trying to assimilate and, and learn. I what think have you been reading recently? Um, New Power yeah. was, was, was very influential. And I just finished a book that is remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. Hmm. It's Into the Magic Shop. Okay. Uh, it's a neuroscience, neuro, neurosurgeon out of Stanford, and uh, incredibly powerful about the science of what mindfulness meditation okay. does to the brain and compassion and being open-hearted. Um, and I think that's, that's clearly um, my main focus right now is really understanding, calming the mind through the right kind of meditation and compassion. Mm. You know, and really. So, do you practice meditation yeah, now? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's a big difference. It's a big difference. So, I, I, so I read either industry books. Another one that's been big for, for me is Play Bigger okay. recently. Uh, another influential one that I really enjoyed is the Thank You for Being Late. Right. <laughs> that's a great one. I've not heard of that. Oh, yeah. These are, these are great titles. It's yeah. really interesting. Um, so I think, and then fantastic writing is, uh, when breath became, becomes air. Okay. Really some of the best writing I've ever read. True story. Um, Hillbillyology is another great one. Okay. So there's a lot. This is I great. Mean, this is good yeah. for my reading list. I'll yeah. Be, yeah. You know, because I think, um, personal transformation is a, is a topic I enjoy reading yeah. and seeing how people. Why have, is it so important? And do you think in terms of, I think I've gone through that myself, right? And, and I think we, we all continue to go through that. And if we're not, you're holding yourself back. Mm. And I think you have to reflect. And there's some great thinking out there. And reading, I think, is, is an excellent way to, to become intellectually curious. And I think what I meant by enriching when I did mm. that interview is living takes energy out of you. 
giving as a leader, mm. working as an employee. And I think a lot of times we may try to fix that depletion through entertainment. And it can temporarily. You mean through like watching TV? Through or, watching yeah. TV or, or, or just entertainment. It could yeah. be sports. And, and you need it. Mm. But are you filling your brain mentally mm. and intellectually? Mm. Are you enriching yourself that way? And I think you need, you need all of that because thinking is continuing to get better and uh, how we improve our thinking. So I, I, I definitely encourage uh, in, enrichment. And is that something that you try and get your team to do? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We pass around books. We, we talk about it, um, challenge people about what you're thinking and what, what have you read and where, where, where are you, you know, in your mindset, mm. what techniques have you learned. Kind of what you're doing now mm. is, is really inspiring to get people to talk about that. Mm. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's a fascinating topic, isn't it? It's something that's definitely becoming more sort of um, uh, prominent, you know, yeah. kind of improving yourself. Yeah. Not just improves your own life, but improves the lives of those around you. Because yeah. Because if you For sure. give more in terms of, you know, yourself, then that will reflect in terms of all the things that you do. Yeah, and I'm very fortunate. My business partner, Benoit, is uh, very into this as well. So both him and I uh, have, uh, we invest money into the business around wellness, mental wellness, physical wellness, emotional well-being. Mm. Um, we, we, we're increasing what we're doing around that. Um, because I think if, if we're not healthy ourselves, then you're, gonna, you're not going to be as effective as you could be with somebody. Mm. And... Um, yeah, and, and there's some really incredible advances in science around things that maybe everyone thought might have been a religious-centric, like meditation. Mm. The, the science in neuroscience community is realizing um, and doing incredible advancement of the power of the neuroplasticity around meditation and how it does rewire the brain mm. for the better. Mm. I must admit, I recently, this, this year... Um, started to use an app for meditation oh yeah i know app can be great yeah it's been it was really good and i did it really um every day for a while but then i just stopped and i've and i, I keep telling myself i need yeah. to do it again because it, i definitely felt you felt a difference benefits. yeah even 10 minutes yeah that's what it was it was yeah 10 15 minutes but it, it's just finding that i mean i have a two-year-old son and it's very hard to, it's very hard to do it but um, that's an excuse to be honest because i, I could i could do it just got to make it a priority yeah i know yeah it's one of those things isn't it because i, I think and it is becoming the more people i speak to the more people i think are you know using things like meditation yeah to yeah, to, to put things in perspective a lot of the yeah. time, isn't it? To be kind, mm. compassionate, kind, open-hearted. And uh, it's incredible what you can do. As a leader, if you have that warmth, if you have that ability to, to reach people mm. and understand people, um, it's just such a different work environment mm. that you're creating. You know, I just heard I was at, at an incredible conference, incredible conference, the Nantucket Project. Um, in Nantucket a couple mm. weeks ago. And uh, the, um, Nelson Mandela's son spoke. Right. And uh, he was reflecting. He ended up living with his grandfather for, since he was 11. So he really was inspired and, and, and mentored by his grandfather. And, um, you know, it was, it was a, uh, that portion was to remind again everybody that, of the power of compassion and forgiveness in uh, in being a leader mm. and you can get so caught up in conquering 
that you you have all these in, in business you hear so many war analogies yeah right and it's just violent mm. but it doesn't have to be that way mm. you you can you can expand a business you can grow a business you can uh, build categories and you can do that it doesn't have to be a violent war analogy no it, I mean, yeah it's true isn't it a lot of the time with business it's all about competition isn't it it's about right. beating you beating the competition right. and all that kind of stuff but it doesn't yeah you're right it doesn't, doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be like that and is that how you approach with Splashlight then? Yeah, we, we really, I, I mean, we we like to, to, to lead. We definitely like to lead. And so it can be tempting to turn it into those kind of analogies. But what we try to do is we just try to be innovative thinkers. Mm -hmm. And if you look at your customers and you're solving problems and you're looking far enough ahead where, where there could be opportunity, you you can do it quite elegantly mm. and uh, in and really in on an inspiration way rather than to to conquer it's to improve and if you're trying to improve a customer's life and their business you're going to naturally grow mm. and you're going to naturally have a better place mm. even how you sell and uh, so that you know we've assembled an incredible leadership team they all think the same way and um you know, we got some incredible things happening in the next. If you interview me in in three months, it'll be I'll have a lot to say. <laughs> okay, so there's um, developments there's, coming yeah, down the track. Yeah, some very very special things are on the way, and um, you know, again, it all leads from from this from that kind of thinking about contributing something to the marketplace hmm. rather than 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 this war analogy. Okay, well, I'll be interested to see what those yeah. developments are. One other thing I wanted to ask you about was um, that you are starting a charity. Dementia yes. and Alzheimer's. Yeah, yeah. Just tell me about that and why why are you involved in that? Well, um, my my daughter had gotten a scholarship to uh, Emory to the Oxford uh, Scholar School at Emory University in Atlanta, mm. uh, in the U.S. She didn't take it. She ended up at like I mentioned, she's at Stanford University. She's a sophomore there. Mm. But at that uh, school, I heard the 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 head of sociology talk. And he talked about um, what he what he has the scholar students do. First of all, he was the most gripping person to listen to talk. The way he spoke was just amazing. And he hit this section where he where he talked about he assigns these scholar students to a um, an Alzheimer's patient, and that three big things happen. Hmm. First, the patient themselves benefits because their story is preserved. Second, the family is overjoyed because they also get that gift. But his point was the students' understanding and empathy for the human condition mm. elevates. Because having to realize these things. Because at, at 18, 19, unless it's maybe happened to you, you're not so aware yeah. of what, what the, these tragic diseases can can do and having to live it write it and and he's he believes it adds a dimension to them mm. as they go on in their life and uh i was in tears listening to this it was made me cry it was really really touching at oh. what he did but i didn't do anything with it um but then some time passed and it dawned on me why isn't that happening at scale mm. why not so obviously stuck with you. Yeah, it stuck I mean, with you. Have you had any, back. any experience of dementia or Alzheimer's in your family? No. 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 It's just sad. Hmm. And uh, so we got some, uh, we're making some progress around that. Hopefully it will, something that will launch very shortly. Um, it's called mylifestory.org. 
and I'm excited about doing that. Um, my, my business itself has me quite busy, mm. so it's, it's hard to get to both. But uh, we're close to having a leader so that it will it'll take its own path. Mm. But, you know, we're not trying to cure a disease. This is something that can be solved. Mm. We can stop these stories from being lost. And, uh, and uh, I'm excited to do it. And is that the idea then that on a bigger scale you'll get young people paired up with a... College, yeah. yeah. College, there's a, there's a community college in every county in the mm. United States. There's Alzheimer's in every county in dementia. Mm. And so a tech platform pairing them together to, to record and gift those stories back to the mm. person in the family. It's really interesting because you know, my grandma had Alzheimer's for really? nearly 10 years. You know, it progressively got worse. And did you preserve the story? Well, not. I mean, your interview for, for yeah. Well, a I could have done. Yeah, I should have done at the time. But this was before I worked in, yeah. uh, you know, in radio or in doing podcasts or anything. But yeah, it's it's a really, um, you know, I, I hadn't had any experience of of uh, you know talking to people right. very much with Alzheimer's. But you know, when I saw my grandma a lot of the years, and it is a really sort of um, it's a fascinating. Uh, Tragic but fascinating yeah. experience. Yeah, being with someone like that, and yeah. um, I think I think you're right. I mean, the experience of uh, talking to someone with with Alzheimer's yeah. is so it takes you somewhere else from from yeah, normal life. Exactly, you so have to live in their world. That's the, exactly right. That's the number one thing. So there'll be three found. groups that benefit: the person, the family, and the mm. the writer. Mm. So, so when does this launch? Well, our goal would be this year. We're we're running. It's tough. Like I said, we've got a lot happening at the same time. So you know, I'm ambitious. So I'm I'm never uh, (laughs) I'm never happy as as long as things take. But um, you know, hopefully it's soon. So the the hyperactivity kicking back in. Yeah, right. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Are there any other projects on the horizon then, or is it really the the, those two, the 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 business and and the charity? Uh, I was thinking about being an Uber driver. You know, because I got to drive anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so may, maybe I pick people up as I'm commuting, you know. Yeah. Professional golfer right. as well. Professional golfer and Uber yeah. driver. <laughs> <laughs> well, perfect, perfect combination. So what's the vision as well then? I mean, I know you said you've got things coming down the track for mm-hmm. Splashlight, but what's the, as the chief executive, what's your vision for the company in, say, five years? Well, we we really want to, to you know, our tagline is the highest standard in in content and we think that standard because of technology continues to elevate and we think we've built a roadmap over the next four or five years to really elevate what the standard of that content is going to do um and we're and these pieces we're putting together the tech that's coming out all of this relates to elevating what the highest standard of, of content is um, you, you can't content nowadays, uh, visual content, you know, there's, there's two universal languages in, in the world. There's math and pictures mm. and how you communicate with pictures, given the digital tools, the way things are, the world is, is, is in such a need for mm. visual content, um, that if, if you can, it's a great growing marketplace, mm. But you need to bring innovation. You need to bring some value. And, and that's kind of what our roadmap is, is to continue to raise the bar of what the highest standard is. Yeah. And I guess that it's a, you know, because you're producing sort of, you know, high quality 
photography, aren't you? Of, high volume, of, of, yeah. Of yeah, clothing high volume, yeah. and of, for, for e-commerce. Yeah. But you've got, at the same time, you've got this sort of parallel universe of user-generated content at the same time, yeah. haven't you? So how is it navigating between in that world where you've got yeah. all this, suddenly you've got this billions and billions of, yeah. of user-generated images which are just as important in the, yeah. the industry as yours. And I think I think they're the smart retailers are finding a way to use that user generated content mm. and 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 culling it together. And uh, I think that those are some of the things that we're 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 gonna be addressing. Because I think that there's an incredible amount of of beautiful content that's made by phones. I mean it's mm. incredible what yeah. what's out there. And the cameras just keep getting better and uh, the ecosystems are, are getting broken down and you get really micro on things and and that's where there's an opportunity. And I guess, yeah, that's a big thing for companies like yours, isn't it? Is being able to to spot that opportunity and to, to move very fast. Very fast. Into it. I guess very the, fast. It feels to me, I mean, I'm not a chief executive of a company in, in, the, in technology, but it feels to me that that is all, must be such a, a challenge to, to be able to navigate or to force your way into a, yeah. a space when it, when it appears because you have to get there so quickly. You got to get there as quickly. There's a book that's influential around that. It's the lean startup. Mm. And uh, you, you do, you have, you have to be bold. You got to get in there with an MVP, minimum viable product. Mm. If you create a, a Michelangelo, you know, you, you'll <laughs> never get to market, you know? So you got to get in there with your sketch drawing and yeah. you got to see if, if you're going somewhere and, and you, and you iterate and, and you got to move quick. Mm. You have to move quick, but that's why it comes down to people. It's mm. people. It's people. And when just thinking about that, then when you're recruiting, what are the the number one things, or the, what are the key things you're looking for? They have to. They have to be human. They got to be human. There's a really brilliant people out there, but they they wouldn't fit in our environment. Mm. They have to be human. We're 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 not. We're looking for elegance. We're looking for thinkers. We're looking for people that are, that are compassionate, that they see how they, 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 get, they can get, you can get tremendous things done. Again, you, you don't have to be Genghis Khan, you know, although they get a lot done. <laughs> yeah. But at the he end, did. when you Khan did, are you, are you happy with yeah. who you are, yeah. you know? And uh, that's, that's what, what Benoit and I, we want to we be happy along the way and when mm. we end up there. I'd like to um, finish the interview with asking you three questions that oh, I've boy. asked. I ask everyone these oh, questions. Oh, boy. So they're not, nothing to be scared of. Okay. The first one, I think you've touched on the meditation a little bit, so I'm, I'm guessing that might be part of it. But the first one is, do you have uh, a routine? It doesn't have to be a morning routine mm -hmm. necessarily, but I'm guessing with the sort of, you know, in the, in the business sense, it probably is yeah. a morning routine. Do you have a routine that gets you set, set up for the day? I do. Um, so I, I work out three times a week and then, um, but aside from that, for me, the, the, the right music in the morning. Mm. Okay. What the is right the, music. What's the know, right something music? calming. I've got several different plays that are calming. I used to put high energy in the morning. Right. And then going through, um, the, there's this one, it's a shout out. I'll give to this, to this gentleman. Um, he has, he runs this program called the elevation barn. And, and I went through the Elevation Barn. It was really, really amazing. Will Travis. Hmm. Um, and in that, one of the things he realizes is, is his guidance to me is, you know, you don't need more energy. <laughs> you got that. What you need is, is you need more Zen. 
Okay. So in the morning, your music can set a Zen mood. Maybe you are a person who needs to be more up. Mm. But for me, I needed more Zen. So I changed to a, to a different kind of music in the morning. And uh, I, I have that routine. Uh, meditation. I do 20 minutes in the morning. And then uh, when it's my workout days, I, I have my workout days. And then uh, I, when I get into the office, the, the first thing is that, you know, I go through with, with my assistant to plan for the day. And, uh, and I just try to work a plan. And I think for me, my, my routine is more about a practice of when I'm in that meeting, when I'm in that with that person, this is the only thing I'm in. And I think the meditation sets the stage mm-hmm. for being present. Being in the moment. Be in the moment. Yeah. You need to be in the moment, which sounds odd. If you're the CEO, you've got to be five years out in front. Mm. But you're never going to be five years out in front if you're not in the moment. Mm. Because so what you know what you want to do five years from now? Mm. If it's falling apart right in front of you and you're not able to put the pieces together. So you have to be able to be in the moment. And maybe that moment is talking about the five years from now. Mm. Or maybe that moment's talking about what's happening right now. And I think that mental agility is, uh, is what part of my routine is really be present i'm guessing you're an early riser yes right? you're right <laughs> what yes. time do you get so if i don't set an alarm clock i wake up at six right okay i just <laughs> yeah i mean unless i'm out very late tonight yeah. yeah and what about the the music then what's the what can you give an example of the the calming music oh i jazz is great all oh, right okay yeah there's some really nice mellow jazz i, I love that jazz um i put this other couple playlists together from uh, Spotify, where there's um, there's no words, but it's just they, they've kind of taken acoustic, um, and it and it varies, mm-hmm. but it, t- it tends to be um, on the jazz, on the mellow jazz, and on the the mellow acoustic. Okay, it's always on that that sort of that style. I need I need yeah, pace. I don't need up energy in yeah. the morning. <laughs> and that's what he said. Or to I you. walk in, I'm like, okay, what are we doing? <laughs> Instead, I got to be, you know, we're getting yeah. Here. You need to set yourself up with a yeah. karma yeah exactly i see okay that's really interesting <laughs> the, uh, that's thanks to will travis right. he, he set me straight up and was that that was a personal thing he told you you well, specifically when or you go through more... the elevation barn they, there's a lot that they they break down and, okay and so they you. kind of work out your personality and it's yeah and and your journey and how yeah. to set you up your goals for for the next one you I know see. where your, your next chapter and uh, when he was going through that, he's analyzing. He says, hey, what, what kind of music do you do in the morning? And I, so I was telling him, he's like, okay, no, you, you got to What was you, the you music before it. then? Oh, anything that had high energy. Because I, I like <laughs> Such that. Such as? Oh, man. Well, I mean, I got, I got a, a lot. So <laughs> let's just say it's high energy. <laughs> Give us one example. No, no. no. <laughs> okay. What, I'll ask you one more. Was it guitar-based or was it more sort of electronic? No, guitar-based. Okay. Definitely guitar-based. Okay. More rock and roll. Rock and sure. roll. Okay, Absolutely right. rock and roll. Right. Classic rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> all right. The second question then. Um, when you look back over your career, so professionally but also personally, uh, and this doesn't have to be about what made the most money or what mm. was the most high-profile thing, but what's the thing that you're most proud of? You know, that you look back and, or when, if you ever look back and you just think, yeah, that was, we got it right. We got it. I got that right that time. Hmm. Well, I saved a coworker's life. Okay. And I think for me in, in business that that was the most significant thing ever. Um, he was my coworker. We were, we were buddies and, um, he, he worked for, for me. And uh, he wasn't around, but he's always there. 
And I'm like, we have a meeting. He never not comes to a meeting. Where say, and uh, you know, I knew because I'm close with him that he's a diabetic. Mm. And but uh, it wasn't necessarily in my mind. I was like, okay, well, maybe he's in the coffee shop or something. So I I go downstairs and he's not there. I'm like, okay, he's not answering his phone. This is really strange, you know, because some people go down and get a coffee. And so I thought maybe I'd find him down there. Mm. And I, so then I got a corner of my eye. I see a guy laying on this, laying against the building on the sidewalk. And it's New York, so people just keep going. Yeah, you know. And um, so I ran over there. Sure enough, it's him, and he's he's passed out. And um, then it dawned on me that he's going into diabetic shock. Right. And I carry him into the elevator, get him upstairs. I, we had another diabetic working there, and I asked him. Uh, he knew right away to get it. He had a Diet Coke. He keeps one all the time by him. Yeah. And we, we poured it into his mouth and called the uh, 911 immediately. And uh, slowly that sugar kind of get him. We had just, and when the paramedics got there, they said he, he didn't have 30 more seconds. He didn't have 30 more wow. seconds. So, um, yeah, that, that for me, well, it's not maybe your classic answer in business, no, but, but for me, that's probably my, my most significant moment in business uh, for, for me. With, but again, it comes back to people yeah. and, and being human and, uh, and, and you know, knowing that person. I, I knew he was a diabetic. You know the people. Mm. And, he, you know, you clicks in your mind. And so That's an amazing story. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank you. It's how is, uh, he's still good. in touch with him. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not as much. We, we've no. kind of switched jobs and lives, but uh, yeah, no, he's, um, he, he's a good guy. That's a great story. I'm really pleased that that, that happened. I mean, it's, it's amazing that you actually, I mean, it seems almost like you almost knew, you knew something was wrong because he, he's never so you left. not there. Because most, like, I guess in most, in most scenarios, you wouldn't necessarily leave the office to try and find him. I thought maybe he went down for a coffee hmm. and he's just not answering his phone or whatever. Yeah. And I, but I, we had a meeting I wanted to get. <laughs> and so, you know, yeah, it was, it was, it was all just a good circumstance for yeah. sure. Well, amazing. Uh, final question then, and we, uh, I guess uh, we touched on it a bit before um, with a lot of the books that you've been reading, so mm -hmm. I guess it would, the answer should, uh, may have to be something else, but what is it that create a creative piece of work or something, so this could be something that you're watching on, watched on TV or mm -hmm. music that you're listening to or something creative that you're enjoying at the moment? Now, I know you mentioned a lot right. of books. Creativity. Yeah, something that you're really into right now. What is it that you're really mm -hmm. enjoying? consuming i guess or from know, reading creative or, yeah yeah or just anything, a new passion anything, anything yeah anything okay my new passion is uh my business partner and i we now are certified race car drivers right so that's new for us yeah and uh, we went through the porsche uh, race car driving school okay and uh we're gonna race porsches <laughs> so what brought uh, how long ago did you start thinking about doing that? Uh, four years ago. Okay. Yeah, it was him. It was his passion, and he didn't want to do it alone. He said, let's do it. And I'm like, okay, let's learn to be race car drivers. <laughs> and I loved it. Right. it was, it's so cerebral. Yeah. Uh, it's so zen. You have to be so in the moment to race right. a car. Yeah. And it's very technical. And um, I, was, I was all in. I was all in. So it's been a four-year process four to become qualified. Journey. Yeah. You can do it much quicker, but we had to do it in between, you know, running a company. So will you have a team and will you race? We're going to be part of Yeah, yeah. Matter of fact, he's, he's working on it right now, uh, right. this weekend. So hopefully um, we will we'll be part of that So will it be the Splashlight team? 
Yeah, we'd like to sponsor. Yeah, it would be really fun. Be and really so, fun. Uh, well, I don't know if it'd be a whole team. That's a lot. Yeah. But as a gentleman driver, you know, you can you can um, uh, buy a seat yeah. and you can race part of a team, which is probably where we'll I start. See. So, what 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 sort of races would you be involved in then? Or what the, where, the in, Mon in style? Some... They're like four hour, twelve right. hour, twenty four hour. Yeah, these these races where you, you switch drivers. Wow. So that's the that's my new passion. <laughs> and there's so many analogies to business yeah. in racing. Well, all the things that you've been talking about, about being calm yeah. in the, and being in the moment. Going in slow to come out fast. It, yeah. it is a, a lot of planning. Do you have to listen to jazz while you're going around? Or do you? Oh, man. <laughs> I, I, I tried to put on the music. But you, get, you really get into the, into the zen. Yeah. But it, it, I, I struggled. I struggled because I was um, very intense about it. Hmm. And uh, the coaching is like, you, you got to... You got to calm down. Why? Because you were like trying to scream around the corners, or yeah. So they so they made me race with the fingertips, okay, rather than gripping because I was gripping so hard. <laughs> right. And to grip with the fingers. So actually, my best lap time ever. I'm racing with my fingertips. Really, just, just barely, just touching barely touched. Yeah, and that helped me to relax all over and in, in, in mentally. So there's a lot of analogies to life. You got to be present. You got to relax. You know. Yeah. So when's your first race? I don't know, but it can't be soon enough. I can't wait. <laughs> well, good luck with so it. So that's my new passion. It's fantastic. It sounds brilliant. Well, good luck. Thank you. And thank you for talking to me on the podcast, James. All right. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having it. me.